Hello, you're listening to Sarah Archer in episode 271 of the Speaking Club podcast. I want to start this show with a quote from artist and inventor Leonardo da Vinci. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. I started this podcast for two reasons. Because I want to help people recognise the power of stories and humour in speaking and because I believe it's your message that counts, not the number of ums and ahs you use. There are some organisations that want to create robot speakers. They want you to sacrifice your personality in order to speak perfectly. But I want to let you know that you can be yourself and a sensational speaker. So... If you want to be a speaker that connects and engages authentically through stories, a speaker that gives value as well as a great performance, then welcome home. Hello, how are you? Let me tell you what I've been up to since I was last with you. Do you know what though? I tell you, I've often pondered on whether to share what's actually going on in my life with you. Sometimes I think to myself, Sarah, who's actually going to care? But you know what? This week, I had a conversation with someone, uh, a client, and they said, our kids are the same age. And we both worked in the automotive sector, which were points of connection that they picked up from the podcast and they wanted to share back to me. And that brings up a really important point that I want to share with you and I teach to my clients, which is this. If all you do in your talk and your marketing messaging is share education and information with your audience, then I can guarantee that you are educating someone else's customer. It's so important that you share your personality, your authentic self, your values, your opinions. And I promise you, in doing that, you will start to step into that thought leadership space And all of that will also build the relationship with your audience and bring the right people to you. And yes, it will absolutely push some people away. But then they they won't write to continue on with you anyway. I'm sure that uh, if there's not that fit, it's unlikely that you'd have enjoyed working with them or with that particular organisation. So that all being said, I wanted to share... Uh, a big win for me. I got a bath. Yeah. (laughs) I moved into my place two years ago, and I'm sure I've mentioned this on the show before, and it only had a shower. And I know this is a first world problem. I understand that. But for the past two years, I have felt um, like I've been missing something from my life. I've taken the occasional bath at each of my sister's houses and And when I've booked a hotel or an Airbnb, I have tried to find one with a bath. Not that that's happened loads, but anyway, it's it's in the criteria. And I find, you know, soaking in the bath just generates so many ideas for me as well as relaxes me. And I have just really missed it. But for us in our apartment, it wasn't as simple as just putting in a bath. We first had to fit it in the bathroom space, which is very narrow. And second, it had to get through the front door, which is even narrower. And when we first moved in, we had plumbers come round and they said it was not possible. We can't do it. And then we saw a photo of a Japanese soaking tub. And we were like, ooh, maybe the dream 
could become a reality after all. But when we checked it out, even the Japanese soaking tub seemed too big. So do you know what I did? And it's what I usually do these days, to be fair. I asked the universe for a bit of help. I said, please, universe, help us find a bath that will fit through the front door and in the space. And literally, I I promise you this is God's honest truth. Within a few minutes of me making that request, I remember I was sitting in the lounge looking at the window when I did that. Emma walks through the door and says she's found a bath that will fit through the door and in the space. And not only that, it was on sale. So we bought it there and then without even having a plumber lined up or anything. And that bath sat in our living room for nearly two months, taunting me. But now finally it's in and I tell you what, it was worth the wait. And boy, does this Japanese soaking tub hold the heat. The first time I ran it, it was eight o'clock in the evening and I went to get in it, it was too hot. At 11pm the same night, I went to get in it, it was too hot. And so Emma said, just leave it, see what it's like in the morning. And at 6.30 the next morning, I felt like Goldilocks because the temperature was perfect. So there you go. I haven't got a speaking takeaway for you for that story. Um, But I will say that it does pay to ask the universe for some help because, you know, you don't have to do it all on your own. Right. Enough of my bath. Let's crack on with the show. And I want to talk about slides today. I had a conversation with someone a little while ago at a networking event. And when she found out what I did, she said, you have got to meet Philippa. Philippa Le Guin de la Croix. And I thought, blimey, that's a posh name. And she said, Philippa does amazing things with PowerPoint. At which point I was thinking, I know my way around PowerPoint. I wonder what she means. So I went to take a look once we finished the call at Philippa's profile on LinkedIn and she was not wrong. Then Philippa and I met up on Zoom and not only is she extremely talented with presentations and slides, what she can do with them blow your mind, she's also very funny and we got on like a house on fire and I knew I wanted to get her on the show to share her wisdom with you. And I mean PowerPoint is still around, it's one of the most prolific slideware tools that uh, that we know of and the way that you can use it can literally make or break your presentation but that's where Philippa comes in and she started life uh, employed as a graphic designer and started doing powerpoints for the different organizations she worked for but eventually she had this yearning to become her own boss and after a hockey match with another designer pal they uh, started up an agency focusing specifically on PowerPoint. And that's gone from strength to strength. It's been going over 10 years, I think nearly 15, 17 years, something like that, pushing the boundaries of PowerPoint to deliver jaw-dropping presentations that continue to delight audiences and win new clients. And the testimonials she's got are amazing. So in this show, you're going to meet Philippa. You're going to get some great tips to help you avoid the pitfalls of PowerPoint and other types of slide software and create slides that will support you in building a talk and delivering a talk that shines. Okay, off we go. Welcome to the speaking club, Philippa Le Guen de la Croix. 
And thank I've been you, practicing Sarah. that, yeah. so I hope it's good. I think that was very good. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having Fashion. me. <laughs> no, no, no problem. It's an absolute pleasure. It's a lovely, unforgettable surname as well. So that's really good. You always know you're picking the right person on LinkedIn. It's, <laughs> it's a very I spent ages when I was thinking I was going to be an actress trying to pick out a really long surname that was going to be my stage name so that hmm. it would take up the whole of the <laughs> top of the, you know, above the cinema, but uh, it never came to pass. But oh, anyway. Well, not yet. You, you might no, be well, who late knows? bloomers, yeah. Exactly. But we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk ah, about you sorry. and presented. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, what was the trigger for you to focus your design agency on PowerPoint because that's quite niche so how did it all come about yes so it well okay so basically it was it was a side hustle um my my friend uh Panny who co-founded the business with me we um we had entrepreneurial dreams we we hit we played hockey together and really hit it off and so we were like oh we don't want to work for the man and the rat race let's do something (laughs) else and she introduced me to a good, um, basically it was a, a temp job, which was desktop publishing, but inside investment banks. And that was using PowerPoint. So that was using like a high technical level um, charts, financial information. And we would crank out these um, pitch books, basically, for the banks. And it was shift work and it paid nicely. And And we did, honestly, we did that for about, nine years so we got very good at powerpoint Uh and then it just we had all these entrepreneurial side hustles some of which were more successful than others but eventually we just thought okay well being in the banks working is taking up too much of our time so why don't we run some powerpoint on the side and we knew what the bank what what these companies were charging the bank per hour and we thought yeah we can charge a little less and um yeah and then that took off so Mm -hmm. Yeah, we we found a few clients, and um, yes, in our pre um, podcast chat, I was just saying that one of our first clients is still our client. So this is fourteen years on, so it worked. It worked, and it's yes, it's niche because a lot of people I meet and I say, okay, this is what I do. I do PowerPoint design, and I know from their the look in their eyes, they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> And I have to qualify immediately and say, no, 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 we uh, we make PowerPoint not look like PowerPoint. Yeah. And I mm. think that's the thing, isn't it? It's I mean, you guys take things to a whole new level that I I didn't know was possible with PowerPoint. And and I think we'll we'll, we'll come on to talk more about that in uh, in a second. But I guess one of the things that we unfortunately and I guess PowerPoint has got tarnished mm. by association with the people who use it really badly. <laughs> and because we've all heard that expression, death by PowerPoint. Do you think that's still a thing? <laughs> Fortunately for my business, yes, it is <laughs> It is still a thing. Um, yes, look, I mean, there's lots of reasons for it. Um, sometimes I make the point that if you gave everybody in the world InDesign, do you think people would make, you know, good brochures, good would they use it well of course they wouldn't so so powerpoint is a very similar entity it's a piece of software and um if you're not a designer um you're you're going to make it look horrible and fortunately for us that's what <laughs> that's what everybody does but it's the precedent isn't it as well so people present and you go okay that's what it looks like that's what a slide looks like and then so you copy you copy what what was there before you um 
And then the other side of that, of course, is is why death by PowerPoint? Like, you know, what's happening? What's happening to your brain? Why is everybody feeling so awful? So it's not just that we've got a horrible design aesthetic in front of us, but there is actually something happening to your brain when you're presented with text and you're trying to read it and you're trying to read it at the same time that a presenter is reading out loud those same words. And of course, you've got this was several different things going on but you've got a disconnect there's a lack of synchronicity Mm. you've also got this phenomenon called um dual channels so so your brain our brains will absorb information because we are we are listening and because we're reading now if we if we think okay well i'm using my eyes to read when we technically yeah but our brain isn't using our eyes to read so we read to ourselves so if you think about the fact that you're kind of you're reading to yourself when you're reading something. So you're listening to your voice. You're listening to your inner voice read. And hence, obviously, you can't listen to your inner voice read and listen to somebody else. It's like when you're in a disco in between two discos and you've got two sets of music. Isn't it horrible? And and it, and that's it. So some people's brains just shut down or you choose to not read the slides or you choose to not listen to the presenter and we're quick at readings, and this is, tends to be what I do. I, I scan ahead, read the whole slide, come back to listen and find that the presenter is talking about something else. They've got, gone off on a tangent, and I don't know what they're talking about. So hence, yeah. <laughs> death by PowerPoint. We've all been there. We all know what it feels like. It, exactly. And there's two things to say about that. One is that I think in terms of the aesthetic side of things, so many people are constrained, myself included, with what we know is possible Mm. but there's so much that is possible that we don't know about in terms of slides you know the presentation and the way that they work and all of that stuff which is what you do and I think you're absolutely right the other the other side of the coin is the delivery like the powerpoint Mm. is a tool just like a knife is a tool and you can (laughs) use it to to, you know we're talking about death by powerpoint exactly the same thing you can murder people or you can create beautiful meals (laughs) and uh and in that sense you know people are just using it badly and making themselves superfluous you know like you said Mm. people you know if if you're just reading off a slide or the slide Mm. is got everything you're about to say on it people have read it or and they're not interested they're distracted something's got some idea in their head from what they've read or or they're just not listening to you and you just make yourself completely superfluous so really good absolutely good points there yeah you don't want to be the redundant part of your presentation you really don't so and yeah everybody's you're sitting there aren't you going why didn't they email me this I could have read it exactly so yes Yes, there's, it's a it's a good thought, and we probably should send things more often to each other. But on the hand, I'm also very guilty of like, oh, there's an attachment. I'll read it later. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, if you know, you can give handouts at the presentation, mm. and then have slides which are going to keep people engaged and with you uh, in the actual talk part of the thing. Okay, so <laughs> why? I mean, we've talked possibly about some of this and and if there's Mm -hmm. nothing to add, that's fine. But why is the bar for good slides so low? And what is some of the presentation slide bad practice that you've seen? Oh, the bad practice list. Yes. Uh, Well, there's a lot to talk about that. Um, The bar is low. I mean, yes, I, I think we have touched on that. We copy each other. PowerPoint itself 
is is a bad precedent in 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 that when you open the software you get given a cover slide yeah and so then you know people don't actually know how to use it and um, I'm I'm fairly sure I'm right in saying that you know it was based on overhead projectors so that type you know you're writing something out you're sharing that but of course an overhead projector you'd have that that acetate I mean this is going back some time I'm showing my age but um (laughs) (laughs) and and that would be a one-off you know but now now you can borrow slides from other people from other companies and so you, you merge them all together and so you've got this kind of what they call a Frankenstein deck so it's not consistent it could in the you know behind the scenes it could have multiple slide masters and and so those those types of things don't don't help but I, I think what one of the, we go back with the bad practice is um why is it so bad and you know we've got a lot of tendency to put script on the page you know we're we're fearful that we're going to forget what we need to say while we're presenting and so you just add a little bit more and you go oh but this is really useful I should write this down but of course you 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 don't really want to write it down because you want to explain it but you're worried you're going to forget that so so really a, a slide should have more visual coding and visual tips for the presenter to go ah when I see that phrase or that button or that whatever object I'm going to talk about this or I'm going to tell a story about that um so really they they should be visual prompts to assist you but we we fear we're going to forget what we're going to say we we want to dump all the information uh anyway like it's a brain dump you know it's like a panic where do I start or just just tell them everything so yeah and then and then visually there's often no structure you know, mm. we, they, we go A, B, C, D, E. There might be a logical progression that we think, but actually in terms of communication, it's not necessarily a very good educational tool. It might not be framed around the objective, which is really common. The amount of um, uh, decks that come to us and and I, I'll, I'll read through it quickly and I have no idea what they're trying to achieve. <laughs> and... And that's wrong. You must know what you're trying to do with that presentation. Um, and, it, and it might be educational. It might be informative. It might. It, it's very often a, a kind of a sales marketing need with a presentation, but it's not always clear. So, you know, that, that is a service we, we sometimes add and we say, look, you know, this could do with some messaging. Would you like to talk to us more about messaging? And obviously this um, overlaps nicely with what you do yourself to help people mm. find their message. So and ultimately yes this is why it's why it's bad we see as well i mean what's on the page in terms of the text content so it's it's bad practice to for instance just have a one word heading you might think oh that's nice it's clean it's clear it's less but if you imagine that your audience's brain has drifted off and they've just checked their phone or they're thinking about what they're going to have for dinner and then they come back to your slide and it says sales or it says marketing or you know something very generic you're like Oh, okay. So I've got listening. What are they talking about now? What's going on? So you've already lost them. Whereas if you can have a message in that heading, that could be, you know, our marketing was terrible in quarter three, you know, we need to ramp it up or here's a great sales tip and it's explaining that. Um, That gives guidance to the audience. So they're coming back. They're knowing what you're talking about. It helps get everybody back on the same page. Yeah, and that all... Sorry, go on. No, no, I was going to say, I could go on. (laughs) (laughs) 
how long have we got Sarah (laughs) and I think that like it's it is that it's clear you've seen a lot in your your time Mm. in terms of all of that that stuff and I guess we've touched on this next question a little bit but there may be more that you want to elaborate on here which is are there any psychological or physiological things that we need to take into account uh in the audience with our side creation yes that's interesting um there are things like color theory and you know what what colors are bringing to the equation um and we look at that to an extent but that tends to get overtaken by what you're branding Mm. Uh, says in terms of color but it, but that I find that interesting I, th- I think the main thing is probably to do with font size so you've obviously when you're presenting in a room you've got a screen size um, you've got a distance from your screen where the audience sit so and it has to be readable so people in the front and people at the back they have very different uh, ability to read and age sadly I am now a glasses wearer <laughs> I didn't used to be. I was very proud. It's such great eyesight. But um, yeah, we should do that in auditoriums. We should have said, oi, old people at the front, please. But <laughs> <laughs> Although it's the, the distance I don't have a problem with. It's just right. the close yes, Fair enough. So, so there, there's that dynamic. You know, you have to get the right font size. And that has changed, obviously, now. Post-pandemic, there's a lot more screen sharing. There's a lot more virtual presentations. So you're you're only um, two feet from your monitor. And you might have a big monitor. You might be on a small laptop. But, you know, those all impact mm. what font size um, you can you can show. And it, and it is important to get that right. Um, so size of the room, taking all those things into account. But we generally just give a ballpark saying like you know don't go below 20 point font Mm. size um it's still going to be too small in some situations but it is difficult to go out and measure and Mm. test every everything so the rule of thumb we we tend to say stick to stick to 20 point and if it's smaller than that you know do you need it on there you know what what's what's going on you know why are you having something that's so small you can't read it so that's probably the biggest thing I think the other side is um, the psychological side, if you like, is when you have good slides and and they're supporting your message and, and they just kind of look a bit smashing. And when you're presenting them, it, it, cha- it changes how you present because mm-hmm. it gives you confidence. And, and I, I don't present often, but when I have done in the past and I know something is good is coming up, even if it's just one slide within a deck and I think, oh, I know this sequence is good. I'm I'm going to deliver that better than a slide that I'm a little bit embarrassed about, that, that it's boring to present, that I'm just running through some facts and figures. I'm I'm not going to be as engaged as a presenter going through that as I will be through a good sequence something that I know I'm you know really hits the mark and that and those visuals really explain what the point is that I'm trying to make I can completely relate to that and that's that's in terms of what I do that's one Mm. of the sort of deliverables that I promise is that you'll get a talk that you're excited to share and if you've got you know and if you add the slides in as well if if you've got a talk that you're excited to share and it you know that makes a whole different feel to it your own energy and then the energy that you know that energy exchange you have with the audience so that that really I I can absolutely relate to that and I've seen that that happen now one of the things uh, I wanted to ask which um it's just occurred to me really which is 
the things that you do with PowerPoint slides, has that been just trial and error in terms of finding it? Because like, it's not obvious when you use, Mm. I mean, maybe it is, but you can (laughs) do some like amazing things that make it look more like video and all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. How do you guys find out about these things? Um, I I think that boils down to inspiration. So, you know, you've got your blank canvas and, and that comes with its own issues but it's it's down to having that vision. So when I, I think sometimes a client has come to us and and they've described what they want to achieve um, animation wise, and yes. we will then look at that and be like, okay, well, within the limitations of our tool here, what can we do? And so we would experiment with all the different animations that we can do and using concurrent animations, and and that's in in some way that. Being given a challenge is how yeah. we how we then discover what else we can do, um, and often actually it's it's other things, it's other material out there. So we we did this little homage to uh, Stranger Things, um, <laughs> just the title sequence because I sat there watching it, going, "Yeah, I think I could do that in PowerPoint." So um, so we did, and it's it's you know it's not a hundred percent mimic, but it's it's enough, and it's you know I, I, I describe it, but um, you've got big outlined letters, and they all merge and they come in. So it's not it's not a difficult thing to to copy in PowerPoint, if you like, but it's just having that idea. We would never have had the idea if the client comes and says, hey, this is our presentation name or our company logo. So inspiration comes from everywhere. Yeah. I love that. That's mm. really cool. And I think we'll put a link in the show notes to mm. the gallery of stuff that you sure. do. Yeah, yeah, because, great. Because it's really, it's really cool. And I guess that there is a, like, there is a balance there, isn't there, to be had be- between what's pot, like, because you can overdo it so you guys <laughs> like just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it <laughs> and like having that sort of like you say the purpose of what it's for and mm-hmm. having that sort of knowing when to stop because there's a lot of people that once they discover animation you know the lay person they're like um this is coming whizzing in and mm-hmm. that's exploding and you're like oh my mm-hmm. god <laughs> like, so there's there's that balance isn't there yeah it's it's what with great power comes great responsibility right? <laughs> yeah so and I think that is exactly what happened um we had business people in the early 2000s who who would discover that they could make something bounce uh they learned how to use animation <laughs> and then they wanted to show that they could use every type of animation <laughs> and we've seen them all haven't we we've seen them uh those those decks and it and it is dated now because well, we've seen all the effects um, and it isn't clever. <laughs> it's it's no. just proving that you can read a menu or something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think that's it. The people were, they're not designers. They weren't thinking about the content. They weren't thinking about the style. They're just like, wow, look, I can make it bounce or spin. On, and uh, yeah, it's hideous to look at. One, I think maybe the <laughs> first time you might be on their side going, oh, wow, what did you do? That's incredible. And then the second time you're... Uh, willing them to stop please stop (laughs) absolutely now one of the things that you talk about is design linked with value Mm -hmm. what do you mean by that um well I suppose we touched on the point um that we just made about the confidence you then you then get from us from a slide that is well designed um that that's giving you value 100 Mm -hmm. um 
there's obviously the the power that comes with good branding. I say power, perhaps that's a, a stretch, but um, if depending on your brand, if everything is looking on brand, ticking the boxes to do with the, the marketing and if it's been well designed and it's not deviating, that's going to add value. You know, when you, you open anything, you look at an advert, you instinctively know who it's for. Um, yeah. That's good. That's, that's a powerful thing. And then um, I think the other value thing, I mean, there's a value in there's an obvious value i think that if if you've got two companies pitching and you and you look at one and their slides are you know or a bit shabby inconsistent um poor images of things a bit pixelated you know and you've got another one where it's slick and it's aesthetically great and who who are you going to trust you know who are you going to think is more competent so it does reflect your value in terms of what you're bringing as a company to to your if you're a service company or a product uh, that you're selling I, I think that's it's an implied competence yeah that that's coming from good slides um and then I, I I shared with you before um in another chat but the design council did did some yes. research and it's fascinating so design does add financial value so they they did I mean I, I can we can maybe share the the link in the yeah. show notes um but basically for every pound that you invest in design uh these companies were, were receiving four pounds in uh net profit i mean that's an incredible stat yeah. you know time times four what an investment absolutely yeah. fantastic so yeah that's a great roi that that is yeah and i, th- I think people i think people these days because there are other tools around like that they've made people have companies have made it easier for people to do more themselves, Mm. but it doesn't mean that you understand design principles and good design and, and all of that. And I think that's also an issue that you can sort of create this sort of Frankenstein thing you think looks great, but doesn't communicate the things that you it yeah absolutely um, yeah and, and then you won't get the ROI basically you know, <laughs> no you won't no well no I agree I don't think you will and I, and I think you're right people's own uh, judgment criteria varies and and I have I have a client who I who I quote um, what what he said to me on the phone so he he was basically um his he was saying to his sales team our, our presentation slides are, are uh, aren't good enough like they're really not good they're all sh- um so am i allowed to say sh- on your podcast it's fine. we've got a bleeper don't you have worry. we lovely <laughs> and and his sales team were like saying no 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 yeah but they're the best ones out there they're better than all the others and his response was well i don't want to be on the top of the sh- pile and i thought yeah absolutely like don't settle for just being a little bit better than everything else that's horrible um yeah. you know push push it Make sure it's good. I thought that's that's good. So I quote I quote that often. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really that spoke cool. to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and I guess again we might have touched on this. Mm. In your opinion, what's more important, the talk content and delivery, or the slides? It's the content and delivery, and you know, from a business perspective, that's me saying, oh, you don't need slides. But the reality is, not everybody wants to be the center of attention. So when you're on stage with the slides, you are effectively sharing 
that limelight. So it can give you a little bit of uh, security. You're not you're deflecting because I think it's a, it's a psychological fear, isn't it? When you're public speaking that everybody's looking at you. So, um, you know, there's that fear of attack from that that part of your brain yeah. <laughs> that, that wants to be loved by the tribe, not attacked and stared at by the uh, by the monster as well. Um, so it's survival. So, yes. So I think ultimately slides can share that center of attention and help you but but if you any presenting opportunity if if it's just for the purpose of um well not for the purpose of but if if you don't know what your purpose is then you there's no point being there is there so it i think first whether it's content and delivery or slides in both those situations you've Mm. you've got to know your your purpose there what your objective is and in the business environment, so often you are presenting information, data, results. So we're using slides to prove our points. And, and, and there's a good, there's a very simple strategy we often use where we will build a presentation around key messages. So we're very right at the front. We'll say, right, these are the three key messages of this presentation. You know, a little bit of that adage that we're going to tell you what you're going to yeah. Tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them and tell them what you've told them. That's right. Yeah. So, so it's similar to that. So, but then when we go through each key point, so if I'm making a key point about um, a company's trust, you know, why, why we're the most competent, um, you know, I'm going to illustrate that. So the following slides are going to be evidence points. Mm. So, so that is your content, you know, that is your objective and you might need to show that I might need to demonstrate the slides we've done. I might need to, show a bunch of logos you know say look look at these companies we work for show quotes but you're providing the evidence for your yeah. talk and I think that's really important for for that persuasion and convincing your audience um, of of whatever your objective is absolutely and I think I think the beauty of working with a company like yours and with experts like you have and you are is that you won't let you know, if it's not clear, presumably when you said you read that that deck that you got through and you didn't have a clue what it was all mm. about, I know you in terms of the way that you communicate, which is very authentic and transparent, you would probably give some feedback to the client yeah. because that you wouldn't you wouldn't let that pass, would no, you? No, absolutely. No. And and I think one of the ones I'm thinking of in particular, that I, I then quizzed the client and said, you know, well, what what is it about? What are you trying to to say and he he could tell me he could tell me exactly I was like well why haven't you put it like that in your presentation like you know you've he set the scene for me he explained the context he explained the role of what they were trying to achieve in terms or you know in in the big scheme of things and what others were doing and why therefore what they were doing worked I'm like yes tick 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 all these components that you're telling me are exactly what you should be dedicating a slide to in in each situation so yeah I think that that's um people know people know yeah. what they have to yeah. talk about but they, they I don't know I think there's some sort of disconnect when it comes to presentations and you think <laughs> it's this is this is what I have to do I have to have a slide on my offices and where they're located and I have to have <laughs> yeah a slide that says who we are and doesn't actually say who we are <laughs> that yeah, type absolutely. of thing yeah <laughs> it's it's a phenomenon I've seen I've seen often and like I've seen the same thing happen where people will like you know I was working with some people on the uh, on the they were doing a pitch to a VC panel 
and they were working on their presentations with me. And when we were sort of practicing, it's like they had a personality bypass mm. and they sort of had this concept of what they like, who they needed to be. And but as soon as they went into Q&A, yeah. they were back to themselves. Yes. And it's almost like they trusted themselves. Yes. And like this is no like we need to sort of, you know, stop it being different. And just like with the slides, you mm. know, just, you know, say what you would say if you would you know just exactly. relying on yourself in yeah. the moment in a sense yes. you, you know it but uh yeah it's you interesting do. yeah and I think that's a really interesting bad practice point as well that that we when we're creating slides we tend to write them in in a written style and then when we're presenting them we are presenting in a conversational style and there's a there's a disconnect again so yeah. It, it can feel strange to then write in a com to you know write a slide in a conversational style, but when you're presenting that, it allows you to be far more authentic, and yeah. you you haven't got uh, I say you haven't got the jargon, but but it will flow differently. The language we use is is very difficult to what the language we we read and how yeah. we might write. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Cool. Now it used to be the case that you only had two real choices. PowerPoint and Keynote for slide creation. And obviously now you've got Prezi, you've got Canva. I'm sure there's other ones. Why should we still use PowerPoint? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I think from, from what we've seen and um, uh, the reality is that PowerPoint keeps improving. And I'm, and I'm not saying that the other softwares don't keep improving, but but PowerPoint has really upped its game in the last 10 years. Um and there are features it has. And one of the most kind of used for us animation-wise is a transition called the morph transition. I've heard about this. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> and it things we used to create motion paths for and maybe we would spend, you know, 20 minutes on something. Now it takes several seconds. And you're like, wow, this has really sped us up and, and changed everything for us. So... I mean, I can I can bad talk the other softwares to an extent, um, especially Prezi. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think I, I'm not. It's not really in my interest. I think each software brings its own strengths and, and weaknesses. Um, PowerPoint's good because you know what? Everybody's got it. Yeah, it's 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 somewhere in your uh, Microsoft Office bundle. So it's still, you know, hugely compatible with everybody else. Um, you can also convert it to MP4. Um, you can, you can use another, you can use an add-in also to convert it to um, like a website format. So then you can upload it onto your web page, and it's, and then it, it's not just a static, static slide. It will retain interactivity it will retain oh, wow. animation so that that looks really good as well um and is a great way of also sharing a large deck because that's another problem isn't it the our desire for images which isn't ill-placed but it, they can be very big and in fact last week i had a deck that came through it was 330 meg Gosh. so you know it was sent on a transfer link and i i went into the background and there's there's a couple of tricks to kind of find out all the uh, media that's in that presentation and there was one image that was 300 310 or something one wow. small image was 310 meg just all by itself Gosh. so replace that and then emailed the deck back <laughs> just <laughs> as an attachment because it was then small enough but yeah they're mad absolutely mad so yeah I mean I, 
obviously for us, PowerPoint PowerPoint is the best. And and around the corner, I must say around the corner, I think it's out now, but um, the next update of Windows 11 will be including Copilot. So Copilot um, will speed us up even more. So it's the, the AI design and what that brings. Goodness, that's uh, that'll be interesting to to see how that sort of. Yes, yeah, exactly, very much so. So, uh, uh, yeah, we're going to get faster. <laughs> that's for sure. Be interesting to see what 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 happens to that. See see how people can use that to cock things up even more as well. <laughs> I know. You know, I know there's, there is a good uh, quote that's gone around like that. There's no problem for designers because clients can't actually verbalize what they want. So they won't be able to tell Copilot what they want. So they'll still come have to come to a designer to oh, I see. I uh, like but we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it pans out. You've already given us a lot of value, but I wondered if you can and maybe it's reiterating some of the things that we've talked about, but if you mm. could give three tips for good side creation for people. Yeah. So um we probably have touched on them, but I think writing a headline with a message, and I, I called it a headline because actually that, that is how you should think about it. Think about it like a newspaper headline that you've got a message on your slide that mm. gives information. So, yeah, make your headings have a message. Obviously, don't read your slides. Don't put so much text on there. I mean, it's a very basic one, but but we still see it. Um, but limit the text. Think about the fact that your delivery is going to be verbal, mm-hmm. um, and and therefore I suppose that's that that combines with the point of writing a conversational mm-hmm. lang- language style where possible. It'd probably be a bit of a generalist tip for a good slide, but it has to be engaging. It has to it has to look good, and how you get engagement can vary depending again on the purpose of each and each individual slide. So. Perhaps you're trying to inspire, perhaps you're trying to motivate, but but consider what the point of each slide also is and how you can then make that slide engaging. It's well documented that animation attracts attention. So whilst we we often will put just en- nice gentle entry animation onto a slide so that the audience can't read ahead, and this is actually very, very important, you should yeah. click presenters don't want to click um because they want to you know deliver naturally and just go go with the flow but you have you have to click because you don't want the audience reading ahead so no. so controlling the flow but but also animation it keeps your visual channel engaged so it's sometimes i've seen some really good slides um they're very simple but there will be something animating that's quite gentle it could be a background it could be um just a, a little, I don't want to say a spin because that will give the wrong uh, impression, but it'd be some some component in the background that's moving very slowly, very gently. But it means you can look at that and your eyes are happy. Yeah. <laughs> and therefore your listening channel is more focused on on the audio. Yeah, and I, and I think that's really interesting how making things compatible with the brain, that's, you know, something that, gets ignored um but if you can harness that that's that's really powerful stuff i love that i love making your eyes happy that's uh that's, mm. <laughs> that's a really good way of putting yeah, it yeah. i like that cool yeah. now i'm gonna uh in a moment or two when we've when we finished our next set of questions 
um, talk about where people can find out more about Presented and, and all that good stuff. But this is the speaking club. So I have a few questions for you. First of which is what has speaking done for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I Yes, uh, where to begin? Um, <laughs> so a long time ago, I did... Uh, because we set up presented because we set up a you know a presentation design agency i i i did think oh, you know i i can't really blag it i need to get some presenting experience so i i found that organization toastmasters okay so like it or uh, hate it <laughs> um so i went along and um shortly after that the the guy that ran that particular i can't remember what they called that particular group there's there's stacks of these groups all over london and he left so me and a couple of others basically juggled running it and it was ridiculous like we didn't know what we were doing so we were properly thrown in the deep end and uh if you're familiar with the format there's lots of nonsense in it but there's also lots of things that make make you have to speak and I, and I, by having to run the meetings and we were, we were all inexperienced. We weren't doing it brilliantly, but you know, we just, but we did do it. We got on with it. We ran the meeting. So I'm like, I'm the person who's standing there welcoming everybody to the meeting. And I'm thinking, I'm an imposter. This is crazy. <laughs> How can I be here? I, I was trying to make my, I think maybe I was halfway through doing the speeches. You do 10, you do 10 speeches and you get a certificate at the end of it um declaring that you're competent <laughs> um but yes yeah, so, so that i <laughs> um what happened through that was a huge amount of confidence also an awareness that i needed to prepare to do it well uh yes i could blag it and wing it but when i prepared it was better it was mm-hmm. far better when i when i gave it a bit more thought and unfortunately we're always so time poor aren't we we'd we'd think oh i haven't got time oh i'll just i'll be okay i'll, I'll wing it on the day and and yes you you can sometimes but um a bit of preparation goes a long way um and then probably concurrently with that i i was the chair of my hockey club <laughs> and so um you know you're running meetings um and then obviously presented i say obviously but presented started out with two of us you know we we got up to 15 people so again you're you're you are talking more in life and having those skills 100% builds confidence but it also means that when you're in a situation where you're waiting for somebody to lead or and it probably happens more in in the hockey environment like somebody's you're waiting for somebody to lead the session um that kind of thing and it does happen in meetings obviously business style but but it just means I don't mind. I'm I'm happy to speak up. I, I understand that an audience needs to be led. They just they're not judgy necessarily about it. They're, everybody's standing there going, "Oh, please somebody lead," because I don't want to do it, and I don't mind doing that. So I think speaking has been incredibly powerful for me, just in that it's normal. It's become a normalised um, skill, and it's still something I'm you know I'm not the best at it, but. I can survive. And I think that's, that's key for me. Brilliant. It's also giving you a load of customers as well, to be fair. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to pay those bills, Sarah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. And has there been a time where you've done some speaking where you're like, Oh my goodness, that was awful. I never want to remember that. Has there <laughs> been one of those moments, but you, you can remember? Yes, of course. And sometimes, um, 
Well, there was one one in particular where a person asked me a question, person in the audience, and I didn't understand the question. And I, I asked him to repeat it three times, and I still didn't understand the question. That was just crucifying, mortifying. It was just, oh, because I'm assuming that everybody else in the room did understand the question. Right. And so I felt very on the spot and very humiliated. And of course, now, I mean, or afterwards, immediately afterwards, you think of other techniques. You think, you know, you just say, can you say it in different words, please? Can you, can yeah. you do this? Can you do that? Or, or, oh, that's a great question. I'm going to ask you, we'll talk about it afterwards, you know, bluff it, put it to one side. But yes, yeah, so, so just probably little isolated incidences from, from speeches. But you can't really ask somebody a fourth time to repeat it, can you? That's... <laughs> <laughs> no, so did you just sort of blag the answer or did you just go I, no sorry I haven't got a clue I think I gave an answer and then he asked it again because I clearly hadn't kind of grasped what the point he was trying to make some distinction and I, I don't remember what it is to this day probably because I I didn't understand it then and now I can't remember because I didn't understand <laughs> it uh, now obviously I can't remember it um, no it was a while ago it was don't a while <laughs> Okay, next question. What's the book that's had most impact on your life and why? I've listened to your podcast and I've heard you ask this to other people. So um, I, I've come pre-prepared uh, with a with the one that's probably, I don't know if it's the most impact, but I've got an answer, which is a, a book by Kath Bishop called The Long Win. Okay. Um, and and this overlaps a lot. So, so I, I play and I coach hockey. So, you know, team sports. Every weekend we are striving to win, right? That's the yeah. whole point of the match. And and you can't win every time. And and when you do win every time, actually it becomes very meaningless. Um, equally, if you lose every time, you kind of think, oh, what's the point? Um, but I, the whole book isn't necessarily just about sport. The whole book is uh, about what success looks like in today's world. So there are sports people who have, you know, they've achieved their gold medal, they've won the World Cup. And so in theory, that's bringing them happiness and fulfillment. But the reality is that they found it quite empty and quite meaningless. So so what are we doing? What, you know, what, how, why are we judging ourselves with these accolade points, with this hierarchy of achievement in life? Why is it even so, you know, we, we kind of first connected on LinkedIn and I, I have a business account on LinkedIn and part of the analytic analytics on there shows me how my competitors are doing. That doesn't seem very nice, you know, like I'm becoming competitive about the analytics is and, and I'm not. I'm, I kind of I look at it now and again, but I think, why is this a factor that I, I have to take that into consideration? You know, we should be collaborating. We should be learning from each other. We shouldn't be trying to beat each other. And and this comes, the book is amazing because it, it analyzes language, it analyzes kind of the origins of competition. And actually it's about striving together, not necessarily trying to beat each other. So uh, a lot of the language we use is very interesting and it can be quite destructive, the language we use. Like I'm going to nail that presentation. I'm going to—they're all kind of like quite violent terms. The more you see it, the more you're aware of it. The more you see it, and the language uses is like, oh, this, why, why, why can we not be more? I don't know, cuddly, touchy feely. Uh, <laughs> but it, yes, so that's the book, The Long Win, um, by Kath Bishop, and it 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 goes into education and 
and business and sports and yeah I really found it fascinating I will put a link in the show notes to that I haven't come across it so I'll be Mm. intrigued to have a look at that myself that Mm -hmm. sounds cool okay what's the best bit of business advice you've had and why Mm, um, I, I think the business advice probably is is that you know the answer already. So a few times we have engaged the services of uh, business coaches and, and help. And, and by the time you have explained the problem to the coach, you can, you know what it is you have to do. You know, you know what the decision is, but you, you're almost uh, unable to make that decision by yourself until you speak to somebody and then, you know, so I think the business advice is actually that we, we all know, (laughs) we we all know, all know what the decisions are that we have to have to take, but, but having that perspective, uh, having that accountability to say something, you can see it from their point of view, you go, oh yeah, okay, I do know, which is perhaps strange, but um, to say that is advice that you already know because you do need the other people <laughs> around yeah. you obviously um, to give that objectivity but I found that very interesting when I've uh, talked to people and go oh yeah okay yeah I do know <laughs> we just we avoid difficult situations don't we that's, <laughs> that's ultimately absolutely. what it is yeah absolutely cool okay final question then if you could have one mentor and they can be alive or dead fictional or non-fictional who would you choose and why? Oh, there's too much choice, Sarah. There's too many people <laughs> out there in the world, and I don't know them well enough to know that just one person would be a good fit. I, I, this is going to sound strange, but you said fictional, so uh, I sort of feel like if you could be mentored by your future self, ah, the old Matthew, right? Oh, oh, tell me about that. Well, no, you tell me that. Let, oh I, well, uh, <laughs> I'm more tell me about Matthew. Um, no, I think the theory is that there are some experiences in life that you have and you think, yeah, I needed to go through that. I needed to make the mistake in order to learn. And there are other things that are just dead ends, waste of time. So if your future self could come back and kind of, you know, sort the wheat from the chaff, sort out the learning experiences, that uh, it's not about avoiding mistakes, it's about making the right mistakes, mm. those, those things you can learn from. And uh Maybe feeding in the lottery numbers, that kind of thing. That would uh, <laughs> that would be nice. But yeah, I, I think I mean it's a very it's a very sort of simplistic answer, I suppose, um, to be mentored by your future self. But I think there's a power in what you what you learn. And it, if I could give advice back to myself when we started the business, you know, I, we'd have we'd have got to where we wanted to be much faster. Interesting. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I like that. It's and funny enough, there's an exercise that I have done in the past, which is it was a guided um, meditation, funny enough, where you cast yourself into the future and meet yourself. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you ask a question of your future self. And it's yes. amazing what comes back from that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's almost back to what you said around you've got the answer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of tapping into into that. So it, it has been something that I've done occasionally. So so there is a chance that you could actually connect, you know, with your future self. And you know, taking mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that will tell you about quantum physics that there are <laughs> that it's all happening all at once anyway. So, but we won't get we haven't we haven't got time. We, to go we definitely haven't physics. got time, <laughs> and I, I probably haven't got all the fully fullest understanding. But yeah, no, Matthew McConaughey did that speech where he mm. said, "I'm, I'm chasing myself in the future." Like 
who I who I'm trying to right. be like is me 10 yeah. years now or something yeah, like that being, something yes those. being the best version of yourself isn't yeah. isn't it and, and that's that's another kind of um I'm going to forget the word for it but um you know we're, we're taught to self-improve to to work on our on ourselves and yet we're also taught to accept ourselves as we are and it's yeah. kind of like oh well which is it am I enough or <laughs> do I need to keep improving I so I, I don't I don't know <laughs> oh and then there's all the other one which which I think that book you, know, you were saying about if you win all the time mm-hmm. then it becomes meaningless if you lose yeah. but the journey is a lot of people say the journey is the destination which yeah. is quite interesting yes which might absolutely. be in that book i'd be curious mm. to read it mm. so yeah i i think so it's uh w- we put a lot of demands on ourselves to you know be happy and it's like well that's not really achievable is it it's not to say that we, sorry, that comes out wrong that you can't be happy of course you can um but it, it's not a destination happiness isn't no. like this place we're, we're going to it's it's what you're doing along the way Absolutely. certainly uh, and and making beautiful presentation slides is uh, <laughs> something that obviously makes me very happy. Do you see how I swung that back around? I did. I love that. I was going to say we got very deep, but I was yeah, actually going to There's a nice segue back, which is how, where's the best place for people to go? I mean, I'm going to put some links in the, mm-hmm. in the show notes. Where's the best place for people to go? I think half of this is getting them because we can, we can't really do what you do justice uh on the podcast they need to go and see i think so where's that place for them to go and see it's going to be our website which is um presented.co.uk we have a portfolio there which uh to be fair i need to update so maybe before <laughs> before the, sh- the, the <laughs> podcast episode comes out i'll quickly update things but we have a lot of uh, ndas in place so we we get quite limited with what we can show but there's a there's a broad a uh, choice of different styles and different uh, capabilities that we do display on there so if nothing else I would probably seek out the interactive portfolio because I think that opens up people's minds a little bit as to what's possible in PowerPoint so something really interactive that you can click and and now that presentations are virtual it's it's a lot easier to share a screen and, and click around a screen for that to be a good communication tool which is slightly different from when you're standing on a stage and you don't really want to then be running back to your laptop or your mouse and going, hold on, I've just got to click the right bit. So, so there is different dynamics as to the delivery method, and and certainly, um, you know, that, that's changed in recent years. But um, yes, I think the short answer is the website. Cool. And and is there a place? So, if people wanted to have a chat, is how does that work? Would they have an initial conversation with you guys in terms of looking at getting you to do their slides for them? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we we don't tend to quote just off off the bat because every job is different. Um, the number of slides, for instance, also also varies. Um, the level of design, you know, if you really want to push the boundaries and make something look nothing like PowerPoint, then we've got a service we call premium for that. So that will play with the canvas if you like so it won't feel like here's a slide here's a slide here's a slide it will feel very multimedia and fluid um like a video or like uh, some, something else it's, it's not like powerpoint um but the most common service is what we, the design level we call that professional so so it's looking really good there might be some interactivity there'll be some animation and for those uh, we will do two design concepts. So something a client will come to us, we'll talk about what they need, we'll give them a, a pro- cost proposal, 
and then following that and a, and a good design chat about what, what they're looking for, they'll get two samples. So if for some reason they don't like either sample, we'll keep working on it. We're highly trained graphic designers, so we will get it right. Mm -hmm. um, but it means just by working on a sample, we're just working on three or four of their slides and their actual slides. We're not doing like a pie in the sky uh, template that then when they mash it with their content is like yeah that doesn't work so so we don't we use their slides we make sure it's it's relevant so um but by doing the sample it means there's no risk you know we've not done 50 slides the whole deck and then they go ah oh, yeah we don't like it so we're getting the sample signed off before we build the whole thing um and then there is a basic service but um the basic service is just really a it's a tidy up it's for those situations where you just need a little bit of a lick of paint so that's that's the least but but the thing is that's that's what people come to us for as well so you know yeah. we, we include it because it is a service there's add-ons there's messaging add-on there's interactive add-on and so on so yeah a good chat is how we start um, that sounds good that yeah sounds good. Mm. excellent and we've collaborated on something which i'm going to mm. talk to people about in a moment we've got a, a whole section on on getting your slide advantage for something that we've we've created together so i will i will talk about that in a little bit and before you head off you're on linkedin people connect with you there yes like you said i am the only one with my name <laughs> <laughs> on linkedin and in fact if you meet another laguenda lacroix uh we are related 100 there's there's not that many of us um yes yeah, so philippa one l two p's uh laguenda lacroix it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Philippa. I always have a laugh when we have a chat. And uh, yeah, thanks for sharing all of that great stuff about slides. And uh, yeah, do people go and check out Presented? I'm sure your jaw will be dropping uh, at what's possible. That's so. very kind. Thank you so much. I've enjoyed that a lot. That was good, good to thanks, talk to Philippa. you. Thanks, Philippa. Brilliant. Take care. Okay. See, you See you Bye. Well, there you go. Wasn't that useful helpful hopefully it was as i said in the interview uh, and i think at the start powerpoint is a tool and you can use it well or you can use it badly and i would say if you are creating a talk that you intend to use to build your income and your brand then it is definitely worth investing in some support to make it the best that it can be and that might also include hiring a company like presented to make your slides look amazing. Do go and check out the examples on presented's website and connect with Philippa over on LinkedIn. And she often shares examples of the stuff they're working on, NDAs permitting, uh, over there too. Uh, I promise you, you'll be so surprised at what PowerPoint can do. And before we wrap up though, I wanted also to let you know that Philippa has collaborated with me to create a slide advantage section in a special version of the blank page to stage guide. If you've been booked to speak, but you're struggling to get started, then this is the guide for you. In less than an hour, you'll be able to nail the topic for your upcoming talk in a way that engages the audience and gets you new clients without anyone feeling pitched to. Even if you've got tons of material or you don't feel your subject is exciting. And also you're going to get this whole section from Philippa on making your slides the best they can be. If you want to grab this guide, uh, the special one, get it from the link in the show notes. Thank you so much again for choosing to listen to The Speaking Club. And as ever, if you like the show, if you're a regular listener, if you thought uh, it was good, if you got value, 
And then I'd be so grateful if you could leave an honest rating or review over at ratethispodcast.com slash TSC or wherever you're listening. I will catch you next time. I've got some fab interviews coming up and some good solo shows too to help you make your speaking unforgettable for the audience and help it uh, for you to grow your business. But until then, you know what I'm going to say. Don't forget to go out and grab your life by the nuts and get cracking. Bye-bye. It's a nightmare. You're an expert with so much to say, but now that you've been booked to speak, you're struggling to know exactly what to talk about. You want a talk that engages the audience and wins you new clients without you losing your personality or anyone feeling pitched to. But what happens when you sit down to create that talk is that you end up staring at a blank page for ages or worse, surrounded by hundreds of sticky notes with content that you could include. With so much material, you just don't know where to start or finish. Don't worry, because many experts like you face exactly the same challenge. And that's why I created the Blank Page to Stage Guide. In just 50 minutes, this breakthrough resource is going to help you identify the big idea of your message, make it relatable for the audience that you're speaking to and convey it all in a way that gets the audience inspired and on board with your idea. And it works even if you have tons of material or your subject feels less than exciting. If you want to cut through swathes of content and get a talk that you're excited to share, your audience loves and wins you new clients, then grab your blank page to stage guide Oh, I forgot to say, it's completely free. Enjoy.